Welcome to the Mental Health and Faith, A Closer Look podcast. This is Carolyn Cooper with In God's Corner Ministry. My prayer is that God will use this podcast to bring you encouragement for life in a complicated world, especially in topics related to mental health, our recovery journey, and living as a Christian with a mental illness. May God bless your time listening today, and may He bring you encouragement. This is Carolyn, and I am here today with Dr. James Clark. I am so thrilled that he is my guest. Dr. Clark is the President Emeritus of Calvary Theological Seminary. Actually, it's Calvary University now. Right. Okay. Uh, He is also the author of two books. Mm-hmm. Biblical Counseling, A Guide for the Church and Community, was uh, published in 2020, and the book we're talking about today is called Dealing with Conflict Biblically, and it was just published this year. That's correct. In the month of November, my podcasts are going to focus on families and how to have healthy families, restoring relationships wow. and such. I think as we approach the holidays, unfortunately, a lot of people get stressed because <laughs> of family gatherings. Right. Right. So so we're going to try to take care of that. Sounds good. Okay. So why don't you start off, at Dr. Clark, by telling us just a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm retired now from Calvary University, and uh, I was there 23 years, and, and I taught uh, biblical counseling in the seminary and college. I had a counseling center, and uh, it grew to four counseling centers throughout oh. Kansas City. And I did that and until I became academic dean. Mm-hmm. And then when I became president, I relinquished all responsibilities to be president. Right. And um, so I've been retired six years now. That's mm-hmm. a little the journey of my life. What motivated you to write this particular book on dealing with conflict biblically? Well, that's, that's a good question. And, you know, as, as we look around in our society, I recognize, of course, conflict goes all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve fell and the conflict with their family, the first mm-hmm. family. And, and if you read through the whole Bible, it's full of conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's like 2,900 people in the Bible and out of that, <laughs> that we know, there's many stories of their lives, and it's conflict-ridden. Mm-hmm. But our culture today, as, as I observe what's going on, there seems to be international conflict. There's conflict politically. I think the COVID has created conflict for people. Mm-hmm. And and that that affects emotions yes. and attitudes. It it spoke to my heart that I think right today there's there's a lot of people looking for answers, and I've always felt that the answers can be found in the Bible. I agree. So that's what I did. And I decided to write a book to help people. I I think that's great because not everyone knows how to find those answers in the Bible. Right. So you're providing something for someone who may not have the biblical knowledge uh, to be able to go to that place. So let's get to this topic here and help some people. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. All right. In chapter two of your book, 
which mm -hmm. is called Conflict and Criticism. You mentioned that the first thing to do when you encounter conflict is to listen to God. Yes. And the second thing is to pray. Right. Well, that sounds like something I may or may not think of when I'm in conflict. <laughs> You're exactly when I'm... <laughs> right. And that's why I put it in there yes. that, that uh, when, when there's conflict in a person's life, uh, they may turn to others to say, this person was really rude to me or gave a lot of criticism or I, I'm, I'm going through a struggle of conflict with these people. So uh, they find outlets of friends. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes they not, may not be good counselors. Just like Job, uh, he had three counselors and not a one of them was good. <laughs> so uh, you're right. I, I say that when there's, there's conflict, we need first to settle our hearts down and go to God because he knows everything. Mm -hmm. and, and just say, Lord, uh, I'm being attacked. I'm, I'm going through conflict relationally or at the job or whatever it might be and and um, check my heart you know David said search me oh God and know my heart I, I think that it has to start with our own self to evaluate what what mm. have I done that perhaps like stimulated that. this conflict um, is there something I said, something I did, etc., to go through and think about it. I, I give an illustration in my book where I said, one time when I was a pastor, there was a man in the church that I had a problem with. And so what I would do mentally is I, I would think about next time I'm with him, I know what he may say and how he says it. And now this is how I'm going to respond. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I set up a whole, yeah. yeah. And, and i never forget that I was mowing the lawn and I was on a rider tractor mowing. And all of a sudden I started my mind about this man and what I'm going to say and how I'm going to react. There wasn't a, a voice but it was really God that spoke in my heart and said, uh, turn your thoughts into prayer. Mm. And it just mm -hmm. stopped me cold. You know, instead of me figuring out how I'm going to approach this man next time I see him, turn my thoughts into prayer. And so I had to start reevaluating. I, I really like how you just clarified that for me because my initial thought was okay i'm going to go to the god so he can calm me down because i'm mad at this person yeah it's not that no it's okay god what's my part in this yeah and, and reveal that to me yeah we would almost need to retrain ourselves on how to deal with it because if i'm in conflict i want to jump in just like you said i want to i want to go tell other people about it i want to jump in and find how can i resolve this but, yeah. but it would take a lot of discipline, self-discipline to just stop. It does. And, and focus on, like, yeah. I like how you said calming yourself down 
in in the Lord. Yeah. Letting him speak to you about because he may have he may have the way for you if mm-hmm. you will listen. Right. With family disagreements, one of the big issues is there's always kind of this, well, I'm right and you're wrong mindset. <laughs> and, you know, we, we know that you can be angry without sinning. We know Jesus did. We know it's biblical that anger is an emotion. You have a story in the book that I thought was really, really eye-opening for me. And it, it referred to this uh, passage from Romans, Romans right. chapter 7, mm-hmm. verses 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. And it says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So that passage right there, which is a comforting and beautiful passage, but the man in, in your story came into your counseling session, and apparently there was some conflict going on. But he, he said, you need to know that I'm a Romans 7 man. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. That's me. Yeah, yeah, I remember it well <laughs> when that man came in. And it was kind of, it was almost, the way he said it, it was almost out of pride. Yes. You know, this is me. I'm in chapter 7. You know, and things I should do, I don't do. And things that I don't do, I should do. And he's going on and on about that. And it's kind of like, that justifies, because that's me in this chapter. Well, I looked at him and I said, you haven't read the Bible far enough. (laughs) You need to be a Romans 8 man. And of course, chapter 8 talks about living by the Spirit and letting the Spirit control us. Not self and our sinful nature. Right. So that's that's where I went with him. So I turned to chapter eight. We looked at some of the verses in there, and and uh, as believers, the Holy Spirit, uh, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, the the last fruit that's mentioned is self discipline, self control. Mm-hmm. Ephesians five talks about. Uh, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Spirit. So um, that is where we have to start when we have anger and conflict and um, deal with things that the fruit of the Spirit is a reflection of our spiritual growth and character. And I believe that when we hit conflict immediately it reveals our character mm-hmm. and it's we're either going to be sinful in our reaction or spiritual okay and and the fruit of the spirit has to be that controlling mechanism and and we do that by faith and I say in the book that uh, uh, faith is like a, a muscle you have to exercise them all the time for mm-hmm. them to be strong. Right. Well, conflict causes us to exercise our faith. And by doing that, that spirit, fruit of the spirit of self-control, uh, allows the spirit to have his way in guiding us through 
this minefield mm-hmm. where there's lots of conflict. <laughs> so if someone in your family, you just know that when you get together, you disagree on a particular topic. I want to approach this from a more spiritual aspect from it. You know, I want, I want the Lord's fruit yeah. to be revealed through this experience. And that's going to be new because maybe I haven't done that before. How in the world can I show that fruit of self-control in that kind of situation? Do you have any specific things that I could do or say? When, when, uh, when we're around family members, there, there could be certain agendas that are hidden mm-hmm. and, and there can be things that will uh, cause uh, that conflict to rise up. Many years ago, I, I read um, about a, a counselor who said they, they, uh, the woman had conflict with her daughter. And one of the conflicts was that her daughter was actually involved in some wrong behavior and relationships. Mm -hmm. And mom, being a spiritual mother trying to correct her daughter, Mm -hmm. who was older now, uh, they would get into it. Mm -hmm. And and finally, it got to the place that... that, uh, they couldn't talk to each other. They couldn't get together uh, because of that friction. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Dr. Dobson that I read that the mother called her daughter and said, we want you to come for Thanksgiving, but I want you to know, I will not raise an issue that we've struggled over in okay. our conversation. I won't talk about it unless you want to talk about it. And that was the ground rule. You set up some ground rules. Well, that's an excellent advice. Yeah. And and so the story went on that it was tested. So mm-hmm. the, the daughter said, okay, we'll come. And they went through the whole time together. And it never raised its ugly head because the mother was under control. And... and um, but what that did was open the door for mom and daughter mm-hmm. to start interacting again. And mm-hmm. it had to be on the initiative of the daughter. You see, the daughter knew what her mother believed. Right. It's not that she didn't know it, but the mother had to be forceful to keep at it. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> like it just moms doesn't. Do sometimes. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that doesn't work most right. of the time. Right. And and when you say, okay, you know, let's let's have peace. And if you ever want to talk to me, I'll talk then. And and it just caused freedom between the two. What I'm hearing you say is sometimes it's okay not to go to those issues at all. Right. Yeah. Certain times, there's no reason to. And, and events, I mean, you can have good events. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned Thanksgiving. Yes. But yes. It, it still will cause a crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, your kids can get married, and even the wedding creates a crisis. 
it you can know, there's sometimes. lots of pressure and tension that can happen and and so it's at those moments that something triggers mm-hmm. you know one or the other and and then it starts going downhill and and if you just observe those things and say it's not worth it mm-hmm. well yeah because like you said you keep the door open yeah. for the relationship exactly and which is more important exactly. than than issues yeah you know i i that is it seems like such a simple thing yet i think we and especially in today's world right. people are out to prove that they are right in right. their positions yeah but i i like the idea and I, and for people listening to this if you're getting ready for a family gathering and you know there's an issue that tends to cause issues, maybe a phone call or a text mm-hmm. or something, just communicate and say, hey, let's enjoy this holiday and not discuss the issue that yeah. seems to be a, a conflict for us. Right. Yeah. And just not not do that. Yeah. Enjoy the, the, you know, God, I always believe that God puts a family together for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so when there are Conflicts in the family, he has lessons for us to learn through those, mm-hmm. is, what, is what I believe. And and you can't learn if you're not going to get together and have moments of peace. That's right, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, it's easier for family members to attack each other. And, and some of the people that you don't hardly even know you treat so well. I know. You know. Yes. And and that's just the way we're wired sometimes. I want to look at another statement. And uh, you actually kind of said it twice uh, on right. page 25. And then mm-hmm. you repeated it with a little extra on page 54. All right. I'm going to read this whole little paragraph here. Okay. I have observed people coming for counseling that have an invisible ball and chain that they have pulled from the past. And perhaps for years, they have allowed the past pain to incarcerate their soul until it becomes their present companion in life. So tragic. The statement, event plus time leads to distortion, which leads to destruction, is worth repeating. Right. So an event plus time can lead to distortion, which leads to destruction. Can you explain that? Right. Because I think that... I think it's very true. Well, uh, when people have come for counseling, and I say it seems like you're pulling this ball and chain from 25 years ago right up to today. Mm -hmm. And the more you tell the story, the more it becomes magnified in your mind. Mm -hmm. And the more it becomes magnified, uh, it gets distorted. Um, you've probably played the game where people are in a circle. One person says something. Mm-hmm. And, whisper around the circle. And they're to tell the other, the other, the other. Then you ask the last person, what did you hear? And it's distorted. Yes. It's not what <laughs> the person first said, you know. And that's what happens in time. So that's what I mean by pulling up the past and reliving it. Pulling it up, reliving it. Until finally, it's so blown out of perspective, and it's not in context anymore. And you use it against somebody because of what happened back there. 
And forgiveness has to do with starting over. That's what that's about. Okay. And so when you confess what happened back there, you're saying, today we, we turn a leaf. We start all over. And book of Corinthians chapter 13, when it talks about love. Yes. You know, one of the things is love always trusts. You know, so um, somebody will say, how can I trust this person? Well, you have to start all over and and oh, then hard. see if they break the trust again. Uh, but you don't say, well, you did it again. Did what again? Oh, you did it 25 years ago. No, keep it in the present. Deal with it now. Negotiate it. Well, I, as a woman and I don't know that this is true, but it seems to me that women do have those nice long memories because I will admit that that was a real problem for me in my marriage was bringing up the things. Yeah. And it's like you said, it, it went from being, you said this and it hurt me to, to coming out as you said this and then you did that and it hurt me. Yeah. And then it was, you said this and you did that and I didn't like the way you said this or that. And so every time I brought it up, it, you're right. It was magnified. It did seem to be worse. Yeah. And I had to get to a place, like you said, to start over. And I admit, I still struggle with that at times. Yeah. If something happens, he says something or he does something, and it, and it re Minds me of something that happened back in a really difficult, challenging time for us. It is so hard for me to keep my mouth shut and remember that's gone. That's past. Right. So yeah. I think it would be worth talking a little bit more about the forgiveness side of things. Okay. And um, you have a chapter, chapter five, forgiveness, easier said than done. And that is so true. <laughs> and I, I think that I'm going to read this scripture verse first that you have in here. And this is Romans 4, uh, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed in the, is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. That's beautiful. And I think we need to remember, don't we, that that doesn't just count for me. It counts for other people, too. <laughs> but, the, but the paragraph to go along with that says, when an individual begins to work through forgiveness, it will become clear that it includes restoration, reconciliation, repentance, confession, personal responsibility, humility, integrity, integrity, and truthfulness. This is a tall order to consider and work through it, but it must, but it is a must if one is to do it biblically. So I'm going to read those things again because this is, isn't just that I forgive you. And that's the end. Yeah. Because if it's just, I forgive you, you may be missing dealing with something. Right. So so those points that you said again, and then I'm going to be quiet and let you maybe talk a little bit about, about some of that, is forgiveness includes restoration, reconciliation, repentance, confession, personal responsibility, humility, integrity, and truthfulness. So, wow. <laughs> How do we do that? <laughs> well, um, that's, why, that's why I state that uh, 
it's easier said than done. <laughs> uh, I know that as a counselor, uh, I had no problems helping other people through this process. Right. But when it becomes me, then it becomes a little harder for me to apply what I just have told someone else. Yes. So I understand, you know, the difficulty. Um, a lot of times people um, look at uh, forgiveness in a lot of different ways. I, I give an illustration. I can forgive somebody, but I don't have to like them. What would happen if you go to your spouse and you say, you know, I want to tell you something. I forgive you for what you just said. That hurt me, but I don't like you. Oh. Now you've yeah. created more problems. Yes. See? <laughs> uh, and another thing is God, in sending his son, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. He forgave us. Uh, and yet we're harder on people than God was on us. Yeah, as you were saying that, I I added on that little thing that you just said. God God forgave us while we were still sinners, and He didn't say, "But I don't like you." Right. He loves us. He loves us. Yeah. And what a difference that makes. Yes. Yes. So uh, another situation is somebody came into counseling, and we were talking and. The wife was saying some of the things that he has done and immediately he interrupted her and he says okay um it's my fault so I'll take it on I I was wrong oh. and and um, it, it basically what he was saying was words mm -hmm. in order to avoid dealing with the words mm, okay and, and so the scripture says that you have a personal responsibility. And that responsibility is to take ownership of what you've done. You can't take ownership of what the other person's done. Right. We have the idea that if, if I say I was wrong, will you forgive me? Now I'm waiting for you to tell me what you did. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we do, though, don't yeah. we? Yeah. I, I want to know if you're going to own up to your, mm, your ownership <laughs> of the problem. Right. And, and if we fall into that, then it's conditional. Ah, I will forgive you if you forgive me, if okay. you take your personal responsibility. So forgiveness is not that. It's unconditional. Now, reconciliation and restoring a relationship is to negotiate how we're going to get along with each other. Okay. See? So when I say I have to be reconciled with you is we got to work on the living part. Mm -hmm. We can forgive each other, but how are we going to work through it so that we can get along? That's where reconciliation takes place in each other's lives. This is, this is fascinating because I know there was a time where 
I had to forgive someone who had done something that hurt me, you know, tremendously. Yeah. And I had to forgive them knowing that they would not acknowledge that, you know, they weren't really in my life anymore. So they weren't going to be acknowledging it. I just, I had to forgive this other person. There was not going to be any rec reconciliation or restoration, but I still had to forgive them. Right. But at times, so that's really interesting that, you know, if we think about it that way, forgiveness is unconditional. Right. We hope we can reconcile. Yeah. We hope we can be restored. But no guarantee. No guarantee. Right. Personal responsibility is very important. Yes. Humility is important. Mm -hmm. Your integrity is important. Mm -hmm. All of those things. And the crisis, the conflict, reveals that character. I think this is a great place to kind of summarize some things and wrap up this episode. Uh, but we're going to have you on for another episode so we can talk a little bit more. But... What I'm taking away from this is that it's really about that unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness. Yeah. Both of those things. Right. It's okay not to pull up issues that might cause conflict. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important to recognize that we really only have control over our own self, our own behavior, our own responses to things. Correct. So if we know that we're going to be getting together with a family that has had a history of conflicts, what would you say is the number one thing that I should do to prepare? Well, the early part of our discussion was there's got to be some ground rules Set that up everybody the accepts. Okay. That's what I would say. Okay. Well, then I think maybe our listeners have an assignment here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I do, too. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Clark, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here today. This is just fantastic stuff. And I really, my prayer is, in fact, let me just close this in a quick okay. prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dr. Clark's wisdom. Lord God, it is your wisdom from your word. And I thank you for that. I ask that you help us, help our listeners uh, to be aware of your presence to come to you for strength and guidance and to help smooth the way for our families as we come together during the holiday season. Uh, help us remember the things that we've talked about today. And um, Lord, let us always be open to the Spirit's leading in our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I hope the information provided has been helpful and encouraging and can equip you to have a better understanding of the connection between mental health and faith. I am always open to your comments, questions, and suggestions, so please send me an email at carolyn at ingodscorner.org, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you, and may God bless your journey.